And now introducing the mastermind that combines real estate investing and beer in an epic display of awesomeness. This is Top Fortunity. That never gets old, by the way. Ever. I was kind of surprised when you heard my. I hit the button. Whatever. Guys, what's happening? Um, Welcome to Opportunity Investors. This is the July version. We are going over short-term rentals, um, Airbnb, VRBO, call it what you will. Um, it's going to be an awesome night. Um, this is actually kind of part two in uh, in the short-term rental game. We had Carry On last month, and this month we've got Mr. Matt Fisher from Tesseract Rentals. Uh, really excited about tonight. It's going to be awesome. Um, my name's Alex Winfield. I am your local real estate agent and uh, real estate investor and property manager, do all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, Mr. Sean Bowen up there, one of the screens on here, is uh, is my co-host and he is a wholesaler, money lender. I don't know, he does everything. Um, <laughs> Guys, Opportunity Investors, it's a great group. We're glad you guys could join us. Normally, we'd be meeting out at a brewery, but uh, for now, with everything going on with COVID, we're meeting right here virtually. We're actually all in different locations around the globe. Sean's in uh, Costa Rica. Ashley is in Guatemala. <laughs> Vanessa's in uh, Venice, right? And Matt right. is in uh, downtown Norfolk. But... Um, <laughs> You know, it is what it is. Man, you didn't even give him a good spot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so guys, if you've never uh, joined us before, Opportunity Investors is all about uh, real estate investing strategies, financing options, and implementation of those right here and, and now regionally and wherever we can find deals. Um, we bring in industry experts like Matt to come and talk to us about relevant subjects. And then we like to discuss those ideas over some cold, tasty, preferably craft beer. Yeah, you have enough time to get to the grocery store before you get home for your Zoom call. <laughs> and, uh, and guys, the last element to this group, which has been a little bit more difficult lately, but it's it's still taking place, is networking. This really kind of started with the idea of networking, um, and it's still kind of what drives this group. I think. Um, the fact that we're all here talking in this group beforehand, we were just discussing about different things going on in real estate. Um, guys, this business is about putting the right people around you. Um, success is about putting the right people around you. And, you know, that that's what it's about here. So we've got education. Let's learn about real estate. Let's meet some people and let's drink some beer. So guys, let's raise our glasses for a quick toast. May your castle be secure and your cup overflowing. Yep, yep, yep. Cheers. Uh, so I'm going to let Mr. Sean Bowen kind of go through the logistics and everything going on, what's happening in the market before we get to Mr. Matt and discuss our uh, feature for tonight. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> a little, a little bit. Let me see. Okay, we're good. 
<laughs> What's up, guys? Sean Bowen, investment group, um, wholesalingoutofthebox.com. Yeah, this has uh, been a different world out here with the whole you know virtual world, but we will soon hopefully get back to having these meetings live and enjoy meeting you guys in person. Um, one thing that, that we're big in this group is making sure that the people that we bring to you are legit, real, and are doing the business, right? None of that pie in the sky idea stuff. So I'm really looking forward to Matt telling us what he's doing and showing us what he's doing. One, because it's local in our market. That's a huge, huge thing, right? If you're not finding the guys that are doing business in your market, why go anywhere else? Like find those guys and work with them. And I'm looking forward to hearing that. Um, so Matt, uh, actually <laughs> Alex was talking about what's going on in our market. Guys, we are in an extremely <laughs> hot market, right? And I don't care what side of the penny you're on, right? You can be on the realtor side. You can be on the wholesale side. You can be on the fix and flip side. Inventory's tight, right? Really tight. So there's deals going off the shelf. There's the you know the, the back market where we're moving things left and right. Um, it's just a really, really good market. But having your numbers right and being ready to make that pull and make it happen is you got to be there, right? You got to have all your ducks in a row, have your group of fun, have your lenders lined up, right? Like, let's be real. Keep it real. <laughs> let's go. So um, really busy market, guys. Really enjoying it. Um, so if you're in the wholesaling industry, that's what we focus primarily on. Um, as that's what I bring here to the group. And then we focus on buying holds, fixing flips, and then money lending. So if you're interested in that, reach out to us. Uh, we're at hustle real estate. <laughs> um, and then if you're at uh, full circle investment group, uh, you can hit us up personally or check us out at wholesaling out of the box.com. We'd love to meet you, work with you, do some deals. Okay. Um, you are going to see on this screen right now is we have two other ladies in the background. This is Ashley and Vanessa. Ashley works with us over at Full Circle Investment Group and Vanessa works with Alex. They are what makes all this happen, right? We can't do this. This is how this happens, right? So I want to say thank you first and foremost to them because they do a lot of this stuff in the background and make us look like we really know what we're doing, right? <laughs> so thank you, ladies, for always being there and helping us. I really appreciate it. Otherwise, let's get to the meat and potatoes. And uh, Alex, let's see what we got going on with Mr. Fisher. Yeah, man. So uh, I think I met Matt um, two years ago or something yeah. at a Citigroup sure. meeting. You know, that's where we go to hang out and have fun. <laughs> yeah. Big meetings. So we were, I was actually um, been pretty interested in the Airbnb stuff, obviously, for a little while. And uh, I go to this meeting and it's majority people that – are, uh, this is in Ocean View, Norfolk, right? And they're discussing uh, bringing Airbnb to Hampton Roads. And so it's it's really interesting group, first of all. Um, so, I mean, half the conversation is about they're afraid that they're going to bring prostitution back to Norfolk. And I'm like, what? How are you even talking about? But um, <laughs> so, you know, I run into Matt and his partner, Brian, there. Um, they seemed like they had their stuff going on. They actually sounded like they knew what they were talking about and um, brought up some really good points in the group. We kind of touched base then. We ran into each other a couple of times with some uh, other Airbnb stuff, realized some other connections that were there and since have kind of, you know, been in conversation. And Matt and Brian at Tesserec have actually recently taken over my personal property, which I I just spoke about a couple months ago when I was talking about kind of my portfolio. Um, so my house that was the, you know, dreaded like 
you know, worst buy ever kind of thing is now, um, you know, morphed into this asset that is now making really good money as a short-term rental in Ocean View using Matt's company with Tesseract. And the reason why I used him was because I am busy as hell right now selling real estate. And that's where I make my money. And I want to keep making my money. Um, so I wanted to find ways to have passive income. I did not want to run a side hustle trying to run an Airbnb business. And so when I heard that Matt was looking to maybe, you know, branch off from what they were doing and start doing some turnkey rentals for the uh, the short term rental side of things, I was I was all about it. Heard what they had to say, saw the dynamic business model they had and, and wanted to be a part of that. So got aligned with them. And um, I've been talking to Sean about Matt and Brian and Tesseract and uh, and then uh Carrie comes on last month to talk about Airbnb and she's like, we got to bring this guy on. He knows so much stuff about this. He's got all the numbers and da, 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 da. Um, and so she's like bringing you, she, I think she invited you to speak on opportunity last month. Mm -hmm. I was like, dude, now we need a whole month with Matt. We need a whole, we need a whole show with Matt. So uh, it's just kind of funny. It shows that you guys are in the mix. Um, but also, you know, I personally will vouch for you, man. You guys have done a great job with my property. And uh, and I think you guys have an incredible business model. So without any further ado, um, Matt, man, please uh, introduce yourself, your company and your business partner, Brian, too, if you'd like. Um, uh, we'd love to hear what you guys what you guys are doing. Yeah, sounds good. Well, first of all, everybody, thanks so much for uh, having me on. Um, it's good to, you know, Alex and I have been chatting, as he said, for a while, and it was a huge honor, um, you know, back in uh, COVID time has flown. I think it was April when uh, when Alex reached out to uh, to manage his property. And so we're, um, yeah, honor, honored to uh, have that role and, and uh, steward your asset for you. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll jump right into it. Um, so a little, a little bit about, about me. So um, uh, background actually odd enough is medical devices, startups. Uh, so worked in ed tech, real estate technology, artificial intelligence. Uh, did not get into real estate until about four years ago, um, but came at it from a kind of a different, different side. So uh, started EF Capital back in 2017 with uh, the advisorship of a couple professors I had at Harvard Business School. We were trying to build a, a really lasting uh, private equity group uh, that could invest long run um, in, in technology and businesses that we thought would actually uh, make a real impact in the world um, and do it in a profitable manner. Um, so is it about so up till about a year ago, EF Capital's kind of core uh, business was acquiring multifamily apartments, uh, renovating, uh, furnishing and converting to short term rentals. And so we have the dream all along to vertically integrate. So where we are today is we will acquire uh, we will renovate through our uh, design build company, Elysian. Um, we're using technology that we've developed over ConstructTech. So typically ConstructTech will work in large, uh, will scan 500,000 to 2 million square foot uh, commercial real estate spaces, convert that to 3D uh, Revit models, 2D, 2D AutoCAD. Uh, but we're really blending the technology from ConstructTech, the design build know-how from Elysian, and then the short-term rental management from Tesseract that it was January actually of 2020 that we decided to pull pull those resources together to offer, um, as Alex described, a full turnkey offering uh, for our clients uh, who want to 
uh, you know, manage their Airbnbs uh, in a more hands-off way. So we look at ourselves as a as a scaling factor for people um, like Alex who want to put their money to work and uh, want to really leverage their time. And so we've invested pretty heavily um, in those different businesses. We manage about uh, 100 units today with Tesseract. The majority are our units that EF Capital owns, but we're growing our rental, our external managed portfolio by about 10, 15 units a month right now. Um, so that's a little bit about, about my background. What I wanted to, when, it, when I was chatting with Alex and with Carrie, uh, just about what's going on with the short-term rental market, um, I wanted to kind of give a behind-the-scenes look of how does EF Capital and Tesseract Rentals look at making a short-term rental acquisition. Because I know that most of the folks on this call today are thinking in terms of, okay, they're assessing, do I want to buy this house or this multifamily apartment complex as a you know fix and flip or long hold? And do I want to manage it as a traditional rental? Or, you know, I've been hearing about short-term rentals and that you know you can make two to three extra money on it. What is that all about? Um, so my goal today is to kind of eliminate uh, how we look at it and hopefully uncover some of the pitfalls that we've had along the way to get you guys on the call a little bit ahead of the curve. Nice. Um, um, Alex, any other things before I jump into it? Nah, man, I think, I think that's great. I think that's uh, perfect. You just led yourself perfectly into your own presentation. I like it. Cool. <laughs> yeah, right. man, that's awesome. Yeah. I think, I think that would actually be very good logistical information that, we could all use. So please. Awesome. awesome. So uh, just to make sure screen still showing up for you guys. STR opportunity. Uh, not yet. There it is. There we go. Yeah. So let me start with like why this works. Um, because I think there's a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of misinformation. Um, let me make sure we're still good. We still live. Yes, sir. There you go. I think there's a lot of misinformation about, you know, where, where does this whole arbitrage come from in the first place? So I look at it as I kind of come from an industrial engineering lens of, well, let's really look at this market. So if I look at Norfolk and Virginia Beach, the average hotel is generating uh, hotel rooms. So this would be a single bedroom uh, hotel is generating 2,400 bucks a month on average. If I look at the average two-bedroom apartment in Norfolk, Virginia Beach, this is a really gloppy number, right? Because it doesn't account for quality, is generating 1,200. Um, and then as I look at national trends, Airbnb revenue is pretty much pegged. It's directly tied to hotel rates, which makes sense, right? It is an alternative to a hotel. And so when I think folks are looking at this at, at basic principles, why does this work? It works in regions where you can take a, a, a unit, whether it's an apartment or a house, that traditionally would rent at a lower rate and get that arbitrage um, where hotels are renting out for a higher higher amount. I'll go into the details of it's not just a one-to-one, -one, you're not just gonna double your revenue or, or sorry, double your profit, um, but that's kind of the, the model here. So one of the things that we've done in our own portfolio, if you look at the bar chart on the right here, um, I've got a range, right? When I look at hotel rooms in Hampton Roads, you know, summer's a little bit higher, but they're charging 120 to 300 a night. I know from my own portfolio that as long as I charge more than 40 bucks a night, that I'm breaking even um, on that given night, including all the additional cost burden. So I've got this, this room to play of between 40 to $200 a night that I can charge uh, for that unit where I'm able to make more money than I would as a traditional apartment. Um, now, just yeah. real quick, is that 
occupancy when you're saying that? That is if that is at correct at a hundred percent occupancy. Okay. So on a night by night, I'll say where this comes into play is you know whether it's our own assets or or ones we manage. If we need to drop price for a competitive reason, um, for whatever we know for every single one of our units, what we what can we play with? Um, don't really charge forty bucks a night, but I, I, that that's you can kind of see in the green area that that's the arbitrage that you're working with. Um, so one of the things I find pretty interesting, if I look nationally, this is kind of an eye chart here. Um, over on the far left, this is basically showing that hotel, or sorry, short-term rentals in Norfolk and Virginia Beach, on average, are getting this is the actual booked revenue, twenty-four percent more nightly revenue than hotel. Wow. Two interesting things here. One that tells me that even though I'm sure as you guys look left and right, you guys see new Airbnbs popping up in this region all the time. But because that number, it is the highest in the nation currently in terms of the highest, you know, being 24% higher than hotels, wow. uh, we get the highest arbitrage. Um, to me, that so that means that uh, demand is still far ahead of supply of Airbnbs. This was as of the end of 2019. Um, that's the positive, right? Is that if you enter now, there's this kind of golden opportunity to be reaping additional benefits compared to the national average for short-term rentals. The downside to that is that 24%, that will drop down, right? As supply adds to the market, um, we can expect some of these great times to slowly go away. But we know that like, if I pick the middle of this chart, Austin, Texas, New Orleans, Tampa, Florida, Airbnb still works great in those cities. But there's a really unique opportunity right now in Norfolk and Virginia Beach to add units, especially with the regulations that have come into play. I've seen uh, new supply really stagnate, um, if not drop off, just because of the additional hurdles. So that's one of the things I hope to talk about is, is how to how to really manage that well. So there's a great opportunity for those of you guys who are looking to get into this, uh, convert your existing stock, or to purchase something for Airbnb. Nice. So if I think about, you know, we, we've we've hosted a little over 10,000 guests over the last couple of years, and we uh, survey them pretty, uh, pretty extensively to try to figure out why did they book Airbnb or why did they book VRBO? So a lot of these things of why customers book them, you guys know already, they want to, um, you know, they want to try something different. 50% of our guests, it's their first time booking on Airbnb or VRBO. And that number has not changed over the last three years. Wow. So continues to be new customers. Um, but what we find, if I were to highlight the top reason, um, it's really a value play. They're able to get a two bedroom apartment roughly for the price of a one hotel room. So if you have dietary restrictions and you need to cook at home um, or you just want to have more space to spread out, and you've got kids, it's a better, a better value. Um, so instead of paying $400 at the oceanfront for a, um, you know, stay in the Hilton, you can pay 400 bucks a night and get a two, you know, two bedroom apartment in the summer. So it's a better value problem. The other one that we see is pet friendly. Um, this is pretty, um, I would say, controversial in terms of when we're talking, talking with uh, you know, new clients um, of like, hey, do we really need to make this pet friendly? We give all of our customers the option, but we've run a lot of A-B tests. And one of the biggest drivers is if you've got a, as people call them a fur baby, you can't really stay in a hotel or most hotels. Um, and so we really see a massive driver uh, of being pet friendly. 
Um, and also like Ocean View, located where, where hotels are not. There has, for the last 20, 30 years, not been great hotels or motels to stay in Ocean View. So if you can find a spot that people want to go um, and place a you know accommodation there, um, that's a great driver. Of course, there's some of the bad. Hey, right? hey Matt, real quick, just just because that's so relevant. Um, yeah. You're saying there's no hotels in Ocean View, which is an insane thing. You, I mean, there, there are, but, you know. But there's, nah, really. Um, do you yeah. see that show or a hotel city trying to push that, or do you think they're going to let Airbnb be the uh, the way that that's um, accommodated? You know, I, th I think without going too much into it um, or being too much of a spokesperson for the city, <laughs> I, I think, you know, the, the historical Ocean View Motel um, is not – doing great things for that area. Um, and the city is not for that. And so I think they want to have, um, it, but it's also at the same time very hard with coastal character design standards with uh, Chesapeake Bay Pr Preservation Act for folks to develop over there. So I think there's this in between, hotels eventually will come, but I think there's, I don't know when. Um, I think, you know, there's folks kind of circling and looking at, at land over there. Um, but in the meantime, it gives this great opportunity to hop in and, uh, and provide a product that's not, you know, if I think about one of the biggest drivers, you know, folks want to be on a less crowded beach. Um, they're also book booking us in Ocean View because they see Virginia Beach. It's a 30 minute drive. Um, they can get to downtown Norfolk. They, they just want beach. Um, and that's uh, Virginia Beach gets booked up really quick. And so that's been one of the interesting drivers over in Ocean View. Nice. Um, Sorry to derail you there. Oh, no, no worries. That's a great, great question. Um, so, you know, of course, the bad, and we, we try to mitigate this all the time. Like, and Alex, you'll probably remember from two years ago, we've never tried to minimize the fact of, you know, neighbors' biggest pushback of Airbnbs is uh, they don't want a party house. They don't want, uh, you know, illegal activity. And there are, you know, nefarious actors who are using Airbnb, particularly booking.com to try to book a place to, you know, hide out to, um, you know, there's less rigorous identity verification. So it's uh, historically been a, a decent place for those type, you know, folks who want to be under the radar to book um, or to book a party house. We've all been, I'm sure everybody on the line here has booked a party house before. Um, so <laughs> yes. We look what, at a lot of right, What right were you saying was the uh, notorious one? What was that? What was the site that allows a little more? Yeah, so we're worth mentioning for everybody who's in this game. Booking.com, in my opinion, has uh, for whatever I don't know what about their user experience, you, you know, their design or their lack of identity identity verification. The amount of fraud that we see through Booking.com is uh, pretty outrageous. We still utilize them because three out of ten are legit. And we have good systems on the back end to, on our own, flag those uh, you know bad actors. But it's uh, it, that platform's a little bit of a mess right now. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So I, I wouldn't you know dissuade people from from doing it. I think the main thing is Booking.com when you first list there. Not, I guess to get in the weeds real quick, they don't. The default is that they don't require uh, the guest to put a credit card down to upload their ID to upload a phone number. And so you can, as a host, you can select all those things as a requirement. So that's our default is, yeah, you've gotta, you've gotta verify your credit card, driver's license, et cetera, and your phone number. And then we actually have additional technology layer on the back end that uh, does identity verification separate from booking.com. Retinal scans. 
<laughs> as soon as I can do that through a ring security camera, I will. It's coming. It's yeah. real. It's happening. So, you know, I think it's important to know why, you know, if you're looking at um, at different regions and like why, uh, I, as a blanket statement, Airbnb doesn't work everywhere. Um, so I think if you're looking at these good drivers, you have to think about your region to say, am I someplace that a hotel is not? Is there some driver of long-term accommodation? So the great thing about Norfolk, man, we've got EBMS, we've got CHKD. Um, and so we see so many travel nurses and, and grad students and uh, visiting uh, professors come in that are booking these 30 plus day stays. There's plenty of infrastructure projects, the military. So if you have these drivers where folks are looking for long-term, longer term accommodations, that's huge as well. Nice. Yeah, that's a big one I've seen a lot lately coming down the pipe. Yeah, and I always think it's a game changer, right? Because if you look at hotel occupancy levels nationally, um, it's something like 55%. <clears throat> and one of the things that attracted us, so I'm, I'm actually not from this region. Uh, one of the things that attracted us when we were looking nationally is the drivers, the like off season and uh, counter cyclicality nature of this of this place is fantastic. You've got summer travel, you've got uh, military, I said, you know, hospitals, universities, um, and it's an area that wants to grow that, you know, our, our own portfolio, we stay about 85 to 90% occupied year round because of those reasons. That's uh, what I want all, all my investors out there to hear right there, man. That's, that's, that's not everywhere. And it's, it's not everywhere where these vacation rentals have kind of been the, the thing. So it's right. People don't understand that, but I think that's, that's an incredible factor that really puts, I don't know, just gives a whole nother option that maybe wasn't there, you know, some years ago, now that there's Airbnb and there's these other driving factors, like you're talking about, it, yeah. makes, it makes something like ocean view. Like, why does this work? I think that's, a, I think that's a great element in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on that note, you know, for those folks who are self-managing their own short-term rentals today, my personal opinion is that to win long term, you've got to be on all the major booking platforms, um, plus some creative ones. And so what I mean by that, I don't have this slide here, but if you're on Airbnb, HomeAway Network, which gets you on VRBO, Expedia, um, a bunch of others, Booking.com, um, plus you are looking at uh, even getting creative with Zillow, with, face with Facebook groups. Um, you're going to be hitting 95% of the uh, short-term rental bookings that are occurring in the U.S. today. The folks, and I'm sure some of you on the line were, have experienced this, if you're just Airbnb, you get to the beginning of COVID and Airbnb says, sorry, host, we're changing all of your cancellation policies, right? We saw that, you know, I knew where they're going with it. We weren't uh, that devastated because we were diversified across all these other platforms. Um, awesome. And so you've got to have your eggs in multiple baskets um, because, you know, all these companies, you know, they, they are two-sided platforms. They need hosts and they need customers. And, um, you know, for the most part, they need customers more than they need hosts. And so to think that hosts are going to be the primary, like we're always going to be playing second fiddle, you know, to the, to the customer in this case who's booking. And so just get used to that and, and do your best to diversify across multiple platforms or else you're going to be pretty frustrated. That's a that's an awesome little nugget right there. <laughs> that's a good one. And I'll tell you, uh, here's the direct result of that. Um, 
February 27th, started putting in COVID plans. Um, we were already at that point, I think 60% of our, our stays at that point were 30 plus day that were booked directly through our website or uh, through other channels outside of Airbnb. Um, we saw, you know, middle of March, 80% of our Airbnb reservations got canceled, but we had already started, we proactively switched all of our marketing efforts. Um, we totally ignored Airbnb for about two, three months. And we stayed 80, 85% occupied through uh, through May, and then travel travel demand came back. We switched back to where it needed to be. So the, I think to me that that kind of proved out our thesis of staying diversified, and, if, and we were able to weather the storm pretty well. That's awesome. Well, not that I matter at all in this, but that was exactly why I decided to work with y'all is because you guys have these other flows of, of business. It's not just a vacation uh, renter, right? So, hey, not everybody can vacation all the time, but somebody's always going to be traveling. So right. you guys have done an incredible job with, with diversifying in that in that world and really just understanding it and creating, you know, ways to go after those other businesses. So I, I don't, you know, I will say this kind of little quick sales pitch. I know we don't do sales pitches on opportunity, but um, <laughs> If you guys are trying to do something um, turnkey with short-term rentals, this the stuff that he's talking about is the stuff that they're implementing, the stuff they've tested. As you can tell, he's actually, you know, put pen to paper. This isn't just going off the fly here. Um, but you know, if you guys are interested in using them for property management uh, to manage your short-term rentals, you know, please, you know, give them a call. They're they're incredible. They do a great job, and they've got some dynamic things that really other people in the market don't have. So I do property management long-term. I don't want to mess with the short-term stuff. Um, we do really good with long-term stuff, but I'll, I'll hand that off to them any day because I know they're doing a great job. So long story short, they do an incredible job at what they do uh, for a lot of reasons. If you're interested, talk to them. Um, we'll give you all their contact information at the end of this. Um, just let them know that you came from Opportunity. I'd be curious to see if anybody uh, of you guys follow up with them and um but regardless man killer information i'll let you keep going but just wanted to throw a little pitch in there tesseract um rentals they have you guys how long y'all been even doing it anyways uh three years uh a little over three years well no no but actually managing other people's properties it's been, uh, yeah since january yeah and you guys are you guys are crushing it because you guys went up to scale you guys had everything in place with your own business so i mean it, it just it was a natural flow into helping other people with theirs. So, um, yeah, I mean, good. You guys are you guys are doing great. So, I'll, I'll get out of the way again. But just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, I, I appreciate that a lot for the plug, Alex. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll keep rolling. I just want to spit some info to you guys. Um, I think so. I'll make this slide quick. You guys will have access to all of it. Um, here's the high level. The, the industry, the short-term rental industry, in my opinion, is maturing. I've, I'm expecting it to continue to follow, if you look in the 1900s, of the hotel industry, going from mom and pops to, uh, to you know, the big change that, chains that we know today. So far, short-term rentals have followed that path. As we survey our customers, uh, there's kind of like this tagline that is an amalgamation of talking to a lot of them. What are they looking for? They're looking for the comforts of home with the consistency, quality, and service of a hotel. So as a company, that's really our driving 
uh, kind of motto is we're continually to think about like, well, what does it mean to have the comforts of home? Um, when we're renovating, when we're furnishing a unit, when we're prepping it for launch, what does that mean? And what does it mean to have the consistency, the quality and the service of a hotel? If you think about it, it's actually a pretty crazy thing to go after because um, it requires a lot. But I think that's where if you look at the Domios, the Lyrics, the Saunders, the really big players in the space, um, a lot of them are kind of triangulating on, on this wording as well as they're seeing this from their guest. So you could look at it, uh, you know, I, I go on Airbnb forums all the time. I think hosts can start to, you can take it to the angle of like, man, people, are, you know, customers just want so much. And it's, you know, Airbnb is supposed to be this unique thing where I can provide a, a kitsch experience. And yeah, that still exists. But um, as I said, 50% of our guests, it's, a, it's their first time. And so they're like hotel converts. Um, and so they they don't want to be waiting outside looking under a rock for a, 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 a key. They don't want you know the the hot water to go out and wait a couple days for it. They their mindset is like I'm at a hotel. Like if things should work, and if they don't work, it should be fixed like a minute ago. Um, so I won't go into all the details here, but that's kind of our driving. Uh, driving force. I think you can get away with you know providing this level of service on one, two, five units on your own. As you start to scale, this becomes it becomes like a logistics business. Um, and how do you provide a wowing experience over and over and over again? It's it, it's it's pretty difficult, but it's 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 super fun. Um, I think for there's plenty of uh, hosts who are doing this on their own, and um, you know I, I'm sure you guys are seeing this as well of like what folks are looking for. Yeah, I think about it from just like a standpoint myself going to them. I mean, that's a spot on. That's awesome. I mean, that's exactly what I feel when I go to rent a place. I, like you said, I want it done yesterday. If it's not working, why? That's yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> cool. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, as you're, I think folks who are assessing um, doing it for themselves, awesome. Right. I think know that you're going to have to do this on a small scale. Um, I wish we had learned this day one. I think it's easy to get into the business thinking like, OK, as long as I provide a you know, accommodation somewhere where someone can't get it, that's the value or like it's super kitchen cool. Um, you'll find over time that like you will get that you will get that guest. Um, who is either a problem or just has like a very high standard and you're going to have to build this eventually. Um, so I wish we had done this from day one. We've kind of built it as we've gone along. Matt, we had a question come in. Yeah. Uh, it says, does your company help assess potential properties, i.e. helping to look over a property before the acquisitions? Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Absolutely. Um, so I would say the, we can engage uh, full cycle because you know we think about this as an investor, um, I think first and foremost. Um, so we know um, how to look at stuff that way. So short answer is yes, the best time to engage us, um, you know, we, we can do the first one with you. Like if you're looking at, a, as many of you are, a bunch of properties, um, we can kind of show you how we do it um, on that first one. Um, we'll do that for free. Um, we'll kind of pull the curtain back and show you, which I'll show some of that to you during this case study. And then we really like to engage once folks are under contract um, and you know earnestly mo moving towards closing and they know they're gonna close um, because you guys know how this goes, right? You may assess 20 to get to one and then oh. that one you may or may not close on. Yep, Absolutely. a lot of leg work. Yep. <laughs> and we're all busy. Yep. 
Yeah. So we have we have the capability to do it. We've got uh, investment professionals as well um, who work for EF Capital, and they're constantly churning uh, every viable short-term rental in Hampton Roads. And so, if we if you bring us one that we haven't seen and you're looking to close on it, like we may already have the analysis done and it's nice. passed on it, or it's just not a right fit. You know what I mean? Like it just may not be a good fit for us. So cool. Um, I won't spend any, really any time on this side. Uh, this is kind of just a translation of the previous slide of, okay, in order to deliver those requirements, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you've got to do. Um, and this, this list is increasing by the month or by the year as cities implement new regulatory requirements. Oh. So this is one that folks are probably pretty interested in. Um, so, Here's my take. It's a little bit different. I think that regulation in this space is a is a good thing. It, I, I'll put it this way. It was coming. Um, it was always coming. Um, and I think, in my opinion, I think Hampton Road, you know, Norfolk, Virginia Beach in particular, have done the best job that they can do, given that this was kind of thrust on them from the state. You know, the state set up the framework and you guys have to come up with ways to regulate it. Um, and so I can say two things. One, um, the regulations are always changing. Two, I think both cities understand that this is here to stay, and they want to engage in a in a productive, uh, you know, called partnership. But like they, they want to allow it to happen. They just want to they're they're figuring it out while we're all figuring it out as well. Um, so again, I don't want to go line by line here. I think the key thing to know is that Virginia Beach and Norfolk have very distinctly different requirements. It really hinges, in my opinion, the main difference is around parking um, and around um, in Norfolk as well. The biggest difference is that you cannot have um, an Airbnb in a building that is of more than 10 units today. That's considered a motel. And so the way that the regulations are written, if you've got a 20 unit apartment complex, you can't Airbnb even one of them. How's that work for um, Portsmouth, Chesapeake, any of that stuff you have any idea about that kind of stuff? Yeah, so I'm happy to happy to dive in if folks are looking into that. So we are starting to branch branch into Chesapeake. Um, we're looking into Portsmouth right now. And so um, here here's the short version is they're less regulated, um, but it's again, it's coming. Um, and so I'll talk through how to, how to discover kind of like the main differences, but if I'll put it this way, if you put, if you learn how to go after a property with the Norfolk hat on, right. And you meet those requirements. And if you're looking in Chesapeake or Portsmouth, but you kind of keep that like higher standard, I think those cities will eventually regulate up to the, the level that Norfolk is. Okay. Perfect. You really don't want to be in a spot. So as an investor, I think about this, I want to reduce uncertainty. Right? Yeah. Um, and so I don't love cities yet that they have not at least put in a framework to say, you know, here's how it's going to be regulated or here's what we're thinking because um, you guys may have heard like stroke of a pen risk. They don't care that you bought it already, right? The regulation will come and it'll be, it'll be what it is. And uh, oh, well. it, it could make it what you're doing uh, illegal, right? So I think in my opinion, things are going to kind of, tend towards the Norfolk mean, maybe a little bit, maybe parking will get loosened up a little bit. Um, but I would look at that as kind of the, here, here's the hurdle you got to jump in any city. Okay, cool. We do that even, I take that same hat even outside of Virginia. Um, 
when we're looking at other places, I'm like, ah, even Is Norfolk and Virginia Beach, are they like close to caught up with the rest of the country or is it kind of, are we way behind in Virginia? I think we're, I think Norfolk and Virginia Beach on it, if I look at it, every city in the country are ahead in many ways. Um, they've taken this, uh, many cities have taken the stance of like throw their hands up and saying, we don't understand it, therefore it's illegal. Uh, Northern Virginia has almost de facto outlawed it. If you really d dig into their regulations, Richmond is very close to that, Lexington, Virginia, et cetera. Um, I think these two cities have done a really good job of making it actually achievable, but controlling it. That's, that's actually encouraging, man. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. It's probably because I'm like an optimist by nature, but I'm like, at least, it's, <laughs> at least it's a known thing. And I hope like what I'm going to get into here in a couple minutes is like how to take that lens and, and actually assess a deal. And Matt, man, you got time. Don't, don't worry. This is all really good stuff. So cool. So, um, yeah, I want to do two things. One, I want to talk about like how to estimate, um, how to estimate the opportunity, um, from a financial perspective and how to think about the regulatory side. Um, because I think there's a lot of folks get real bright eyes thinking they can double or triple profit. In some cases that works. Um, the main thing to highlight here is that there's a lot of what folks usually get wrong is the short-term rental operating expenses. Um, your operating expenses are going to be far, far higher um, than, than your traditional rental, right? So like in a normal rental, uh, your tenants are paying for most of the utilities. Um, you also in my opinion, don't have to maintain as high of a standard. A fridge breaks or a fridge isn't working that well, you can kind of duct tape and bubble gum that and do it over a couple of weeks. And here it's like a fridge isn't working, you've either got to replace it that day or repair it very quickly. And so those sort of things in one way keeps your building very, very um, at a high standard. You don't really have deferred maintenance issues when you go to sell it, um, but you are going to incur that cost. It definitely costs more. Yeah, my short my short experience would definitely cost more. Yeah. Short term. Yeah, yeah, totally. So um, a rule of thumb that I use um, when looking at a deal is that okay, like let's say I'm looking at a property that's gonna a short term rental. I think it's the the multifamily is gonna generate three hundred thousand of revenue. Before putting you know do it going any further, I'm automatically assuming my net operating income it's gonna be about half of that. So. Um, 300,000 revenue, I'm going to make about 150K of NOI, and then I'm going to figure out, you know, back of envelope, what my debt service payment's going to be, and then I get down to what's my cash flow, cash on cash. But uh, I find that there's cases that it's better than this, some cases that it's worse. Um, but if you just want a quick and dirty kind of analysis, figure out your top line revenue, cut it in half, and that's what you're, you're saying. This is with utilities or without utilities? That's with utilities. I'll say this is with utilities and a building with no deferred maintenance. Okay. So if you're if you're thinking about if everything's running one hundred percent, correct. One of the biggest mistakes I think folks see. I'm going. Well, okay. One of the biggest mistakes that folks do is they they buy something um, that works fine for traditional rental, and uh, they think that great. I'm going to pull the lever of converting this to a short-term rental. I'm going to furnish it and all's good. Um, I have not, unless it's a recently built house or apartment complex, um, the standard that you have to hit in renovations is far higher, in my opinion, um, for short-term rentals. And so really one way or the other, you're going to have to renovate or make sure that your HVAC is replaced, you know, things like that, that it's all tight. Once it's tight, this NOI factor comes into play. 
No, I love it because everything you're saying tonight is is like a direct, a direct uh, reflection of <laughs> what I'm doing with my property right now. I just replaced the AC. We just replaced the water heater. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> no, but it's yeah. true. It's true though. I knew I should have done those things. I waited just because that's what I'm used to doing. Um, but reality is, your standards higher, and you got to be able to operate. 100% when the money's there and when when your clientele is there at its at its highest peak so it's 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 been a learning uh learning curve for me and I'm sure it will be for most most people switching from long term to short term rental so not nah, man everything you're saying is is uh been truth so far so please continue <laughs> all right so let, let's make this real um I'll take a deal that's under contract today I think it just came off the market like July 24th some of you guys may have seen this, 964 Beaumont Street in Norfolk. Uh, so this is an Ocean View property. Um, actually, before I dive into is uh, any of the like uh, leadership team here, should I not talk about this one for any reason? Go get it. Cool. Um, <laughs> all right. So I'll, 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 I'll let the cat out of the bag. We looked at this and passed, and I will get to why we passed on it. Um, so this one's eight units, two beds, two baths each, 599000 two blocks from Ocean View, and it's got off-street parking. First blush, looks great. Um, I've, got, I've got properties like this that generate, um, you know, 300,000 of revenue, top line. Um, and so we looked at it. So let me kind of walk you through the EF Capital slash Tesseract, how we did it. So the first thing I do is pull, like any, any deal, you're gonna pull revenue comps. Um, and so, I use, uh, if you guys are familiar with AirDNA, I think it's a pretty good service. Um, we use a lot of AirDNA data, and then I also data scrape uh, from every um, short-term rental in Hampton Road. So we have our own database, and basically kind of mashing those two together, and also looking at historical Tesseract operating performance. But kind of the main point here is, you wanna start with some real comps um, and what they're getting per year. So, you know, we were looking at a range of, you know, per unit, right? So this is per unit, 30,000 to 38,000. So call it 240 to like almost, you know, a little over 300,000 a year if we're performing like, like these comps are. And I think the key thing here is to look at, at real comps. Um, you don't, this is two blocks off the beach, right? So if I pull a comp that's on the beach and is a, a single family home that happened to be two bedrooms, it's not really a comp, right? Like there's a difference in somebody booking a multi uh, built, uh, apartment or a condo inside of a building versus a, a, a cottage on the beach. So we, we pull our data, key points, we use AirDNA, DNA, it's pretty good. And then we go through some, a ton of gymnastics with that to, to, to level it out. We're also looking at, I'll just throw out this little nugget. I know that two bedroom uh, condos will rent on a multi-month basis to a travel nurse, to a contractor for anywhere between 1700 to 2000 a month, uh, all utilities included. And so on a month by month basis, I'm projecting out, you might be able to see it here. If I'm looking at like December is 1748 as a short term rental, February is 1713. And I think I can get like 1800 to 2000. I'll probably rent that as a long term rental because they also have less wear and tear, et cetera. Um, but we look at the high, I call it the hybrid model of a mix of short term rental and and multi-month. So pull your comps, be really good about those, be realistic. Um, 
talks a little bit about that hybrid model. In this case, our, our guesstimate is at about 1700 per month. If it was a furnished 30 plus day stay. And then if I go through that, uh, and I'm actually happy to turn over to you guys, uh, I'll send you our spreadsheet. We used to do this. Um, revenue total, we thought about 280,000 a year at a conservative level, if we were to operate it using our model. So I mentioned operating expenses are higher. They really, really are, and it's, it, it's a, co a couple things. So number one, if you have a hazard and liability insurance policy on your existing multifamily, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm insured, fine. I've got a million, two million, three million, five million of coverage. Um, you, you most likely are not totally in the clear. The first thing that you should do is check with your insurance provider to make sure that you are covered for short-term rental. Um, some insurance providers have clauses that um, could give them an out. Um, that's kind of part one. So that, that'll increase the cost a little bit. Part two is that, um, in my opinion, totally disregard Airbnb and VRBO's million dollar guarantee. Um, guarantee. Uh, I've seen some horror stories with that. Um, your best case scenario is that they pay out the million dollars and then you get a lifelong ban and under that account from using Airbnb again. That sounds a little drastic. It's not a risk that I wanna take as a business owner. Um, and so we over-insure everything, both at the property level and then if uh, umbrella coverage as well. Um, so that's number one, you're gonna have higher repair and maintenance expenses. There is more wear and tear. Um, you're also, I'm rolling into the repair and maintenance um, cost like um, general consumables, linens, things like that. Your accounting costs are going to go up. It's more complicated the revenue. Um, you're also paying all utilities. Uh, your lawn care is probably going to go up a little bit because you need a, a pretty pristine grounds. Uh, extermination, you got to be on top of. So in this exact case, the way that we underwrote it um, is that our net operating income was actually on the higher percentage range. Remember I said 50 to 60. We were looking at an NOI of about 172K. Seems pretty good still. Capital expenses. Um, on average, we go more extreme on the properties that we own. We replace, end up replacing all furnishings that's down to, you know, the, the fork and spoon to the sofa about every like 2.5 years. Um, and so you need to take in, that into account as that's after net operating income, but your capital expenses will be higher. Um, so in this case, right, we, we saw a profit before debt service of 130K. You guys are probably all familiar with different uh, financing packages, but if we just kind of went with the standard 75% LTV um, that's covering acquisition, renovations, we were planning about 170K of renovation, furnishing of 114K, that we're um, getting down to a cash on cash of 32%. So we said, that's great. Like I personally, everyone's threshold for what a cash on cash return that they're going for is gonna be different. Um, I'll take 32% cash on cash return. Yeah, and I think, so So here, here's a little nugget. I think if you're going to short-term, if your plan is to buy an asset to short-term rent it, if your cash on cash going into it is not in a mid-scenario, right? Like you're not shooting the moon, this is just kind of performing like the market. If you're not getting a 20% cash on cash, don't touch it. Um, hurricane season, um, COVID, <laughs> uh, plenty of things. <laughs> Uh, hotels entering the region, right? Like, you know, if you're if you're long hold, there's so many factors, stroke of a pen risk of having to go from short-term rental to 30 plus day or the extreme case, go all the way to traditional. 
um, that's going to drop that expected return. So I don't like to touch anything that's not going to have a 20% um, cash on cash, but everyone's going to be a little bit different with their risk tolerance. So um, you said uh, about 200K you're going to put into this property right away, right? Yep. And, and this is a property, you know, I can't remember the details of this one exactly, but this, I actually talked to you about this one, which is funny. Yeah, yeah. I, re I remember you asking. <laughs> um, you know, it's one of those, I think everyone has a different metric of whether you use dollars per square foot or, um, you know, have a different different metric. To get something from, I'll call it like a, a decent ocean view property to short-term rental ready, we have it and we've got construction in-house, renovation in-house to get it, I'll call it future-proof it, right? So that better stock doesn't come on the market and wipe us out. You know, we're spending on average, you know, 30 to 50 bucks a square foot on renovations. Wow. Um, that's including- that's probably, that's probably more than most, I would say. Yeah, again, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Like in, we're- super, In Hampton Roads, but you're yeah. looking at, you're, I'm sure you're looking at models outside of Hampton Roads too, so. Yeah, yeah, and we're super long hold. So I wanna, I want my operating expenses to be pretty low. It's far easier to, to use bank debt up front, right? For higher renovations than kind of drip and drab it over a couple of years. Um, I also look at like if I'm in the summer charging 300 a night for a two bedroom apartment and it goes down because of something I could have repaired up front, that's a pretty costly uh, downtime. So that's why we like over renovate. Um, another little tidbit, this may not be news to most of you guys. Um, banks will only lend when they're underwriting and putting a value on a property. They're going to value it based on traditional yearly rental unfurnished. Um, Matt, I did want to ask you about that tonight. So you guys have obviously shown success with with short term. Are they still not lending to you guys at this point or are they, they're still basing it on long term? They're basing it on long term. I think there's only two two routes. I'll call it from and I hope I'm wrong on this. Um, but I think, you know, as I look at this industry maturing, it either a turns into hotel financing. Right. And, and you can look up what that what those norms are in terms of the loan to value, interest rates, et cetera. I think either banks look at these as hotels and lend to them accordingly, or they say, look, there is an implied, uh, or there's the intrinsic value of the real estate, right? And that and that intrinsic value of the real estate is not in operating you know, with this unique model, right? That is reliant upon either Tesseract or, or you know, uh, an individual. Um, they're going to say, hey, if you sell the thing or if we have to take it over, we're not going to be able to operate it as an Airbnb. We're going to operate this thing as a traditional rental and sell it as that. Um, so what we're seeing even today is that they'll give you a value for the real estate. And if you want to get additional lending on top of that, maybe they'll give you a, a business loan or like a cash flow loan. But it's not going to be a 20-year uh, amortization period or a 4% interest rate. It's going to be a, a five-year uh, you know, five AM five or six percent interest rate. Which is probably why you're doing a lot of your legwork up front too. It probably helps kind of motivate that. It so does. Let's put the extra capital in to get started as opposed to down the road. Doing it while we while we go. Exactly. Um, so a little little tidbit here again, because I'm pretty conservative, we won't get into a deal unless like let's say that this so see this total cost of eight eighty one. Um, 
I need that to I I need to know that that's going to appraise for 881 as a traditional rental, and also I'm going to do a total a complete financial underwriting that I'm going to spend 881. And one of my low scenario for for EF Capital is that it operates as a yearly unfurnished rental that I have to spend all that money on furnishings and then pull them out, and that I still get something like a five six percent cash on cash, so that I'm protecting my downside in case again regulations change drastically or um, we just <laughs> competition enter, enters uh, through hotels or, or more mature businesses. So every deal we go into, we need to know that it works as a traditional rental, even though we're renovating and furnishing it. That's that's awesome information, man, because a lot of people want to get in this game and the numbers look really good on the top side. Yep. What you're saying, and you you've, you have every reason to believe that this one path works, but at the same time, you're still going in there you're still running this as a traditional rental property and mm-hmm. making sure it works like that. So if anything goes haywire, you still have a product that that doesn't become in an expense. It stays an asset. Exactly. You know, it's kind of like the I'm gonna butcher it, right? Like Warren Buffett method. It's like, just don't lose money. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty simple. Hey, guys, uh, quick update. We're at nine o'clock. We want to try to get everybody to get some Q and a too. Yeah. Um, so just kind of keeping everybody on track all the time is. Yeah. Um, I could pause there and go to Q and a, uh, or do you guys want the cat out of the bag of why we didn't do this one? No, yeah. let's talk about why I didn't. Yeah. So cash on cash was great. Uh, the problem was both parking. Um, and I won't belabor this, but, uh, key things, parking, 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 <laughs> you need to know that you own the actual parking lot itself. I see plenty of deals in Ocean View and other places that they have a parking lot, but there's a city encroachment on it already, or there's uh, they don't actually own it um, at all. At all. Um, make sure you own the parking lot and that you are you have sufficiently sized parking spaces and a sufficient number. So this one, you know, again, to kind of let the cat out of the bag, it needed 10 parking spaces. You guys will have the slides to see how we got to that. They needed to be nine by 21, according to the city. We can only fit eight. Um, so that, you know, we could have done a, uh, a parking agreement, kind of a cool hack is if you have a, a neighbor who's willing to sign a doc that says you can either, a, a document that says you can rent a parking space from them. As long as they're within 500 feet, the city will recognize that as an added parking space to your property. The city is not counting off uh, on street. So street parking does not count. It has to be on a off street parking lot that you own or have a parking agreement. Future business. That was reason number one. Reason number two is that in Norfolk, you cannot have a short-term rental in an APZ zone. This is the, uh, I'm gonna butcher it, but you know, essentially the crash zone for the military base. Uh, this one was in an APZ2 zone. And so that will never change. I don't think that will ever change, that that regulation will ever go away. And so this is the final you know, killer of this. Of, we could have made parking work. Um, we could buy, some of these deals are so good that you can buy you know, a property next to it uh knock it down build a parking lot um not if it's an apz zone interesting awesome man that's great information so we kind of go through that same thing of you can you can do it two ways right 
uh, scrape all listings and look for one, you know, throw out the ones that are in an APZ zone. If you want your life to be a little bit easier, also make sure that they've got sufficient parking. Um, there are different parking zones depending on your character district in Norfolk. Virginia Beach is a little bit more simple. It's just one parking space per bedroom in Virginia Beach. Um, Norfolk has, you know, anywhere from 0.5 to 1.2. Um, Does Virginia Beach have the ABC zone? That is a good question. Um, I have not. They have uh, crash zones. <laughs> they do have APZ zones. I'm not sure what they're How close you are to the base. And that also depends on when you get out towards uh, like Pungo area and you get out towards that airfield out there off of, um, I forgot the name of that airfield, but that does have those issues and requirements because we've looked at buying land out there to develop. And because you can't, because of the crash zones and you get yeah, they, they're pretty tight on letting you do stuff it's tight man i'm telling you all that stuff around oceana like all that stuff down there off of um what's that old virginia beach boulevard yep i mean you're lucky to get in there and get past the development of one two maybe and that's majority multifamily, right so like they won't it's a density thing they won't let you build it it's crazy mm -hmm. that's a good nugget businesses either. yeah so quick, quick numbers overall was the main killer here was parking and APZ. Parking and APZ. And I'll be honest, most of the ones we walk away from are parking issue. There's really? Very, very few. Like I think I've got a list of every viable property in Ocean View. Um, and there's not a ton from parking. <laughs> oh, hey, Matt, is, have you seen this city be flexible at all with, say, there's not parking spaces there, but you have land for parking? Are they allowing people to create parking space on their own property or are they saying, hey, we can't do it. There's not enough runoff, that kind of thing. Yeah, they, they are. So the, the main things you're going to run into is uh, Chesapeake Bay type of uh, issues, right? They'll let you pave, but it's got to be, you know, you're, you're basically bringing in uh, city zoning planning into a discussion to say, are you putting non-permeable surfaces? How what's the what's the area of it? Um, you have to plant tree, you know, there's, there, that's a whole discussion at that point, but um, it's actually a pretty quick call. So if you, if you're looking at a property and it's questionable, like I don't have enough parking, but I think I've got room to add it on the property. I would encourage you guys to reach out to the city of Norfolk and zoning. They're very responsive, especially now. Uh, it's just good to know up front. So you would say, do call them before you go and try to get creative and then show mm -hmm. it. Right. Yeah, I, so I would go, I, I would just do a quick, we just do it real quick, right? Of like Google Maps show, here's my parking. I think I've got 21 feet, 21 feet, 21 feet for my three. I need another parking space. Can I put that on the right side of the house? Can I, you know, do X, Y, Z? Have a couple options and they'll be able to tell you even the feasibility. Like that, I've been very, very, very happy like with working with the city of Norfolk. They're pretty collaborative, at least on this stuff. Okay, nice. Matt, how many uh, more slides do you have that we can either try to get through or figure out what we have So, so that's that. That's it. I had some, uh, you know, info on Tesseract, but uh, I think I'll I'll let kind of like the, the talk speak for itself. Like we we're we're in this world every single day, and um, you know our 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 goal is to become the absolute best uh, operator of short term rentals. Uh, that we can be nationally. And so, um, and we're end to end, as Alex said, if uh, we do everything from assessing properties all the way through um, managing in every step. We have our own construction company, we have our own real estate tech company. So we're able to either consult 
or uh, do the work ourselves um, as little or as much as you want. Nice. Well, that's awesome. I think on, from somebody like myself that I'm a very data driven person, everybody about or knows me is like nerd on data. You definitely piqued my interest. So like, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking with you some more after. I saw you, I saw you nerding out over there. You're like, Oh my God. Like you see me tuck in like this and get like this. I'm all like, yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. I love all the sheets and the data and the, like, Oh my God. I, I just love that kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to talking to more about that. Um, so let's open it up. Let's uh, anybody that's watching, we've got, it seems like we've got 18 viewers watching us. Um, if you guys want, we're going to go down on the questions that you guys have posted. Ladies can pull from some different spots. Maybe they're not posting here. Um, but one of the ones that came up here, uh, Matt, was do you keep the cleaning and maintenance companies um, on retainer? Yeah. So we um, so within Tesseract, we've got uh, cleaning, maintenance, extermination, landscaping, uh, all in-house. Okay. Cool. Um, the next one we had was, uh, what drove the infinity stone? <laughs> yeah. Test rack. So, okay. So my, <laughs> my partner and I are nerds. We actually picked it because it's, uh, we like math. Uh, and so it's a four dimensional shape, right? A test rack, four dimensional cube <laughs> or four dimensional square. Um, and then it also happens to be a Marvel. You know, nice. Right? Nice. Yeah. See the thing outside of Marvel. That's not, that's, something outside of marvel or is that it is yeah i'll send you a, a uh, an animation of it it's a it's like a cube that is morphing in itself um and so we're like oh if it's future if we all live in boxes right yep. like, we want to get outside the box or some a box that's nice. more that's cool. i just like the shape that's a really cool <laughs> yeah. i like it so yeah guys if you're on here um please keep the questions coming uh, we're going to probably shut this down here in the next like 10 minutes. All right. Um, I got one for you, man. So this is just to me, because so you're you're not from Hampton Roads, right? Yeah, I grew up in uh, Northern Virginia and spent uh, most of my time before this in Delaware and Boston. What about Brian? Is he from here? Uh, from outside of D.C. as well. So I just think this is funny. So I was talking to you when we were kind of leading up to uh, mm -hmm. this presentation you know, you're at Harvard Business School, you're talking to your business professors, you bring them this business plan. And you guys, you know, you've got some some really smart people around you. And somehow you end up in Ocean View, Norfolk. Yeah. And I, I say that jokingly, because my family when I moved out to Ocean View, like when I first got married, they were like, What are you doing moving to Ocean View? That's not safe over there. You can't you know, so it's it's always funny to me. Like people from Virginia Beach have this look at Ocean View of like mm -hmm. this bad thing. And to me, I've always seen it as this kind of opportunity. And I think that's honestly what kind of brought us together in the first place. Was like, yeah. man, you know, I think me and Brian were like, man, I we just both see that there's so much opportunity out here. Let's try to do things to to increase that. Um, so to me, the question is, how how did how did you guys end up on? Hey, we're gonna work in. Ocean View, Norfolk. Yeah, um, you know the 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 truest answer probably shift. You know, it shifts over time of like what that narrative is. But um, so, without getting into too much of like the long long term goals, we knew at the time that we knew that we wanted to go into the short term rental game. We were looking for and researching the space. We were looking for nationally, actually, for 
uh, a region that counteracted the whole 55% occupancy in hotels. This was a risky enough space that we're like, look, if we're just going to do that, it, it's not safe enough. Um, and so we were looking for military, specifically some some um, countercyclical drivers. And so there's a bunch of them, but um, Hampton Roads came into play specifically for the reason that I said before, you know, massive military, um, hospitals, universities, I'll call it lovingly, you know, like a second or third tier vacation town um, that folks would either drop into that in recessionary times or grow into it during um, a boom cycle, but that it would theoretically like cap rates here have never been that exciting, but they've been relatively stable. And so we were trying a different model and we wanted to do it scale. So we should pick a place that has kind of that bottom end secured. We looked at we looked at places like uh, you know comparables would be Jacksonville, Florida has a lot of similar drivers. Um, I did not want to be in a in a hot city for it like a uh, Nashville or in uh, San Francisco, etc. Competing with a bunch of other right people doing trying to do the same thing. Yeah, very very data driven with awesome. And then also you know I can't get away from the fact of like my business partner and I want to build cool things and we're, when we when we started driving ocean view we're like this it just surprised us because we weren't from here and we're like wait this is this could be super cool it is super cool and could be incredible um and we early on described it like man the vibe could be like san diego meets meets richmond it's kind of got a hipstery vibe or could um this is pretty cool and where else can you have an opportunity to like um you know engage in making something Pretty neat from not the ground up, but like engaging in that way. Pretty close sometimes. I was gonna say I was like it's pretty grassroots, man. <laughs> like, yeah. argue that. I mean, you took an existing model, but then just I don't know, you want to call it ten x it. Like you, you definitely stepped it up. It looks like, but again, from a data driven standpoint, and the numbers don't lie. You know what I mean? If anything, they're true indicators about what's coming up. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, all right, so another question over here was, is it two parking spots per Airbnb? And I don't know if that question is detailed. Derek, uh, what yeah. city are you talking about, I guess? That might be a, an open-ended question. Um, and then this person asked- Yeah, Virginia Beach in Norfolk. Yeah, so, so, so on those two, so it's it, at least in um, every city in Hampton Roads, it's triangulating around uh, bedrooms, not units. So, um, you know, it varies anywhere from 0 0.5 spaces per bedroom in Norfolk up to 1.2 and Virginia Beach is just a straight one parking space per bedroom. Got it. So hopefully that helps you, Derek. Uh, this one's kind of out of the blue. And this one, somebody wrote, do you have properties in similar markets like Charleston, South Carolina? Charleston. So yeah, we're, we're just, uh, we're, we're just Hampton Roads right now. Um, okay. All right. Um, well, look, I don't think we have anything. I don't see anybody else posted anything. Um, I want to say thank you so much. This was the first time I got to hear from you and watch and learn and listen. And I'm stoked, man. Like, again, nerd stuff on the nerd, the numbers and all that kind of shit. I love it. Thanks, John. <laughs> the sheets and all that kind of stuff, because that's a I'm, I'm a big person of that component. So I really enjoyed it. It was an awesome presentation uh, just for the fact that you're working with Alex and Coming to this group, I really appreciate you taking the time to you know come to this audience and tell them what you got, and hopefully uh, 
now for sure let people know what's a great great way to reach you and what's the best way somebody get a hold of you to talk talk to business yeah so guys thanks so much for have, having me it's uh i love this stuff and so thanks for um you know forum to kind of sh share some info best way to get in, in touch with us is if you go to tesseractrentals.com um there's a, a spot there like if you're interested in having your property managed by us you'll be able to fill out a form there again love data right and so we have yeah. folks get in touch and say hey would you be interested in managing my property i'm like hey if you could give me a you know address number of bedrooms like what are you trying to do uh we have a lot of that information on our website if you do that here's here's the promise right fill that out we'll do a pre-analysis ahead of time before we hop on a call and uh we'll just go bing 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 we'll try to we'll try to give you a as much of like a binary decision like is this something that's doable or is it like yeah this is going to be a ton of headache right. um so .com, easiest way to get a hold of us awesome 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 um alex anything from you yeah um i think the one thing i did want to ask leading out moving forward um people are still not completely on the whole airbnb short-term rental thing just because they don't mm -hmm. know um, mm -hmm. what do you see as the future of that? Um, and even, even in the times that we're in right now with all this craziness, but what do you see moving forward? Are we, is, do you see your model progressing and stepping up against hotels or is this just a fad? Like, what do you, what do you kind of feel? Great question. Um, I think housing, I'm, I, I'm thinking beyond short-term rentals. Um, yeah. So I think flexible housing is going to be the name of the game. Um, if our, our own driving, for, I would say our own strategy internally in terms of the tech that we build, our operations and capability are, I want to be, and we're not this today, I want to be a place where you can book a day to multiple years with the same level of ease. And oh, by the way, I want you to be able to book a day and then extend it as seamlessly as possible because your situation is variable, right? Like you might be moving to an area, you're, you're renovating your house. How long does that take? Who knows? Um, but I want to be a place that that's just so seamless. I think that is the, um, I'm probably getting too much into our own strategy. I think that is uh, kind of what's exciting in the next gen. I think hotels are, um, short-term rentals are here to stay. I think it is a growing portion of the hotel market. If I look at just like hotel units, it's increasing year by year in terms of the market share. Hotels, I think, have an option. They've got to go. Um, they've got to go experiential, right? If, if I'm staying in a hotel in downtown Norfolk and it feels like I'm in Tokyo or Boston, I can't tell a difference in the hotel room. I don't know how much longer those are going to be around. And there's got to be a good reason. Like I need to, I need to feel special in a hotel. I think that'll be here forever. Um, and then I think there'll be a crossover. Like I think short-term rentals will start looking at like hotels and hotels looking like short-term rentals. And we're just talking about the future of flexible, um, flexible housing and accommodation. Nice. I like it. Flexible housing and accommodation. Um, yeah, man, we thank you so much for coming on. And for anybody listening, um, I hope you guys are taking this stuff down because, you know, I'd say honestly, Matt and Brian have been pretty MIA, like kind of in the shadow. They were like shadow warriors, like out there crushing it behind the scenes. Um, that's the only reason I didn't ask you guys to come on sooner because I was like, I don't want to expose you guys into the light. You know, hey, hey you know, don't want to mess anything up. Um, so all this information, man, this is great. This is incredible information. You guys obviously are doing your homework, doing your research, offering stuff that uh, 
you know, I don't think we're finding anywhere else in, in our market, at least. So we really appreciate you coming here, sharing that. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. No, no problem. Mind if I answer that uh, regulation question real quick? What do you yeah. got? Yeah. So if your city's not regulated and does become regulated while renting, what should we do? Um, whether that was the case or not, I think, man, um, two things. If, you're, if you've got an Airbnb or short-term rental, um, engage with your city. Um, it's just a matter of time that you're going to get a violation if they've regulated it. And it's so much better to get ahead of that. I found at least, yeah, I would not, I would not hide. I would engage with zoning and planning, uh, to try to work something out. Let's say if it's not even viable for your property, try to figure something because it, it is kind of a matter of time. Uh, they're getting pretty technologically advanced in terms of how they scrape, how they submit violations. Um, at least if it's in the state of Virginia, they're, especially during COVID, city workers are at home working remotely. It seems a little bit more efficient. Um, in terms of I'm just saying. So I would definitely engage, engage with your neighbors as well. Um, that's going to be a make or break thing. Be a good neighbor. Um, uh, as you're, even if you don't live in that Airbnb, make sure that you're kind of adding and that makes your life so much easier. Add value to the community. Uh, that's something yeah. that you guys have done a really good job with. Yeah. Well, uh, Sean, Alex, everybody, thanks so much for having me. It was uh, great chatting, and uh, yeah, I hope to continue the conversation. I'd like to learn more about what you're doing as well, Sean. Awesome, definitely. Well, everybody that watched it, stuck out and hung out, thank you so much for joining us. Um, as usual, these things are – we're trying to get back live again, and we're looking really forward to you know keeping back up to the breweries and getting with you guys and being in person because that's what this shit's all about. Like That's the fun part, right? So for everybody that's joined us and, and there's multiple channels you're finding us on, um, check us out at Hopportunity. Uh, Hopportunity Investors is our Facebook group. We've got our YouTube channel. Uh, I think the ladies have started us a podcast. So we're trying to get on all the social media platforms and get as much information to you guys as possible. This group is strictly, strictly networking. There is no, we don't bring anybody in here to pitch anything, right? These guys come in, they talk, they share and, they grow, right? And that's what this group is for. And I really appreciate you doing that, Matt. Um, so if the if the ladies could um, put up some information for Matt real quick, I want to run that by so everybody can do a screen cap on it. Maybe like a throw on their phones, they can you know capture it real quick. Yeah. Well, what we're gonna do is in the opportunity Facebook group. So if you haven't joined yet, make sure you join for the future. Um, later, either tomorrow or definitely by the end of the week, I'm gonna post the slideshow. Um, all of the info sheets that Matt said he was going to give us and all of his contact information. So that'll be as soon as he gets all that stuff to us, definitely by the end of the week. So make sure to join that opportunity Facebook group so that you'll have access to that. Awesome. There it is. Another good show. Thank you so much for everybody being here. I really appreciate Wait, it. Ladies. Uh, stop. What's everyone drinking? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Matt, what do you got? Uh, I actually, <laughs> I'm lame. Seltzer water. Ah. <laughs> You'll feel better in the morning. <laughs> right. Ashley, what do you got? Um, I had, Sean made fun of me for it because I was pouring rosé from the bottle earlier before the meeting it's started. I had a bottle. <laughs> but now it's right. like Alex showed up with a can last time, like a freaking keg. <laughs> <laughs> Vanessa, what'd you have? 
I have a kind of local to me, a Dallas blonde, uh, Love Runs Deep. Ooh. Local Dallas brewery. Nice. Alex, what'd you have? It I had what I had in my fridge. I was trying to go buy a brewery so bad on my way home, but it just wasn't enough time. So yeah. I had a Guinness Blonde. Nice. Good stuff. We were down in uh, Carolina a few weeks ago and uh, grabbed some of these things called the Appalachia Sessions IPA. And that was yeah. pretty good. So, well, yeah. another good session, another good meeting, and another good show. Thank you so much for everybody joining us. I really appreciate for those that stuck around and watching the replay. Please leave us a comment and, you know, come and join us at these meetings and come join us on our Facebook group and, um, you know, share with us information that you have and things you're interested in, right? That's what this group is for. We try to go out and we build these things and we do a lot to bring these guys information to you um, and share as much as possible. And that's, that's, the fundamental of this group. You know what I mean? It's awesome. You get to learn so much from different guys doing different things. So again, thank you so much for everybody being here, everybody on the screen, all the people in the the world. Thank you so much for watching. I appreciate it. Ashley, am I missing anything? Nope. That's it. Awesome. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. See you guys. Hey everyone, it's Ashley with Wholesaling Out of the Box. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We've got a lot more content coming for you on your podcatcher of choice, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all of the above. So we'd really, really appreciate it if you would be willing to write a review if you have the time today for us down on whatever, wherever you're listening to this, because reviews help us so much to get in front of more people. And it lets us see what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what you're interested in, things like that. So give us any kind of feedback. Sean and I are always saying we like all feedback, all uh, constructive criticisms so that we can get better, so that we can give you the content that you're looking for. So if you could leave us a review, that would be magical. And that's that's it. Thanks for listening.